Hey guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Um, this is Talk Story. My name is Gavin, and today we have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Jamie Hamamoto, and I enjoy fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming yeah, on my no show problem. today. Yeah, um, yeah. Jamie is. Um, I met Jamie back in was it like two thousand sixteen, seventeen, something like, like that. that. <laughs> yeah, and um, I didn't even know anything about um, her fishing, which is kind of funny because I met her through um, another friend, a mutual friend, uh, J10. Yep. Right? Crazy guy. <laughs> Still crazy. He's probably, <laughs> I don't know about him, but, <laughs> but yeah, you, you used to work at uh, WCC in the um, PACES program. Mm-hmm. And um, then after that, then, then I learned like, oh, you know, Jamie's winning all these, breaking all these records and you know, fishing champion. So I was like, wow, that's that's pretty crazy. So yeah, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. Glad to be here. <laughs> so um, yeah, I wanted to bring you on just to have you maybe talk about like your upbringing, like maybe how you got into fishing. So would you like to sure. talk about that a little bit? For me, it was a family thing. My dad has four brothers and all of them have sons. So I'm the only <laughs> girl in the family. Obviously, I'm not as big or strong or tall or anything as any of the guys. So the only way I could really keep up with them was through fishing because I didn't need to be as strong as them. I just needed to go fishing more than them. So I had better opportunities to catch fish. And from there, it just kind of stuck. Is I enjoy fishing. And now my dad and I spend pretty much at least once a week we go fishing. So we spend quite a good amount of time fishing. <laughs> <laughs> so... um so, do all your brothers know how to fish too? They are. I'm actually the only child. So, oh, it's wow. just my cousins. And really, for them, I guess they enjoy sports better. So, they mm. spend more time doing like football and baseball. And then there's me who just, you know, goes fishing all the time. <laughs> do you guys have a, like, a special spot you guys like to fish at? Or? For us, it's kind of hard because it depends on the surf. We only fish from shore, so it's really be dependent on the surf. Right now, the North Shore, we would be swept to our cars. I mean, the waves are way <laughs> too big. Yeah. So it's just, it really just depends on the season for us. Mm. How, long have, um, how long has your dad been fishing? My dad's been fishing since he was about three years old, and he's in his mid-50s now, so 50 years. <laughs> wow, that's nuts. So, like, so you started when you were really young. About maybe two or three, as soon as I could walk and kind of stay on my feet without killing myself, mm-hmm. I was allowed to go fishing. <laughs> when was your, um, your first tournament at? I think the first tournament I entered, I was five or six years old because there's a minimum age that you have to be. And it was a really interesting tournament for me because the fish that I caught, the waymaster thought it was from the boat. But it was from shore. So he entered me in the boat category. And I was so upset because I was like, my fish was bigger than all the shore people. And then I look at my name and it's on the boat list. I'm like, what happened? (laughs) So that was a sad tournament. But I still got second place. I was still happy. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say was the hardest tournament? You know, recently, we've been entering this tournament called the Brada Bills 24-Hour Challenge. And that one's hard because in, you have 24 hours to fish. Mm-hmm. And you're given this, we call it a bingo card. It's a 3 by 3 card. And you have to make tic-tac-toe or bingo with it. So there's different species of fish. And you have to catch those. And there's a minimum required size. And it's always bigger than the state legal limit. So that one's hard because... 
it's hard to target the species that are required. And you guys just go in one area and then that's where they're they're all at or you have to go around the island? This one, it's hard just with each fish you can find in certain locations. So within that 24 hours, I think we drive like 300 miles, something insane because oh. <laughs> from place to place to place all over the island. <laughs> so your dad and, and you both enter into the tournaments mm-hmm. and stuff? Yep. Oh, wow. That's really cool though. Since you... You've broken a lot of records. What would you say is your, like your top record, like the one you're the most proud of? I think when I get asked that question, it always comes to my my biggest record, which is right now a ten and a quarter pound oio or bonefish. Mm. That one was just special because I didn't have school one day, and my dad and I were like, "Oh, okay, let's go fishing in the morning." We weren't expecting to catch anything that big. We're just mm. going for you know a good time, and all of a sudden, my dad's like. You know that fish is over 10 pounds, right? I'm like, are you crazy, Dad? No, you're not right. But as soon as we weighed it, it was 10 and a quarter pounds and was really shocking for me. And do you, um, so how do you guys, you know, record it? Like, do you, do you give it to, um, uh, after you take the picture, you give it to an agency that kind of records everything and make sure everything's legitimate? And they can put it in the record books. So there's this place in Florida called the International Game Fishing Association. Mm-hmm. And they require us to take pictures of a weight on a certified scale that they'll certify for you. And then they'll give you a tape measure just to measure the length and the girth. And from there, you just submit the application to them where they verify if it's truly you know, a record in their books. Oh, okay. Cool. So I think this is funny because um, so you do, you do fishing on, you know, on the side. Yep. I mean, it's a great hobby for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I know you from Windward Community College. So how did you get into um, over there at the PACES program? It was one summer. I think it was maybe three or four weeks before summer. And one of my friends was telling me, oh, they have a good program at Windward Community College if you want to go. If you go there, you can get credit for high school and college. And it's a free program. They pay you to come. <laughs> and I thought, they pay me to come? Oh, okay. I'll look into this. And just so happened that year, they were short on students. So I didn't need to do the interview process. I just filled out the applications and I got in. So I was really lucky. Wow. And ever since then, I just enjoy coming back during the summer and just helping the other students because I enjoy science. So it's fun for me to just see them learn and see them go through what I did. And what do you... Um, <laughs> so I always talk to I mean, our mutual friend, Jayton. So he always tells me like, oh, some of the kids, they, they're so like... <laughs> <laughs> like um rowdy i guess mm-hmm. would be um what would you say was the 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 summer that you guys were just it know, was a really slammed? i think it was a good bunch of kids but i think the more rowdy and crazy bunch is for the nalu program because mm-hmm. the nalu kids they're like the at-risk youth they're the ones that you know are uh mm-hmm. truant they don't go to school and things like that mm-hmm. so they're a little more uh, loud and crazy but for ours we had a lot of really High-level kids, a lot of uh, private school. We had Punahou, Yolani, uh, Midpath, a lot of... And they were really smart, and they actually were, you know, on top of their game. They knew what they were doing, so mm. it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. So you were doing the NALU program, too, while you were at Windward, like, at the same time, or was it... The NALU program is run, I believe, during spring and fall break. Oh, okay. But one of the teachers, right, Mr. Tate Manning, he uh, does both the pieces mm-hmm. and the NALU. So right. he recruited me. Oh, so you really keep yourself busy. <laughs> <laughs> do you still do the NALU program? No, I haven't gone back to the NALU program just because they've been doing it on outer islands. Mm-hmm. So the expense to fly an extra person there is more than they can handle. Oh, I see. And um, 
Another thing I wanted to bring up is um, Scheidler. So yep. because you do, which is funny because you do fishing and then now you're doing, you know, you did the science programs at, with Pieces and the Nala program. Now you're at, but you're at Scheidler though, so everything just kind of is like all over the place, which is really cool. What, what are you taking up at Scheidler? Currently, I'm majoring in finance and human resources. So it's a double major at Scheidler. And my logic was, well, finance and human resources, they both seem like safe jobs. So I'll always have a job in the future, I think. <laughs> that, that's how that came about, the double <laughs> major. So are you, gonna, are you pursuing like a um, financial uh, advisor thing later on or maybe something around there? One of the things that I was looking into is the MBA program for the business students. Mm-hmm. But in order to qualify for that program, I would need to have three to five years of work experience. So before I even started thinking about that, I figured, okay, I got to get a job and, you know, work for a little while. Mm. Okay. And did, did you do any internships on the side? Or? I think I did two or three internships that I re- can recall. I did one at Hemic, the workers' comp place. Oh, I did yeah. another one at Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, and that's where I'm currently working. Hmm. And then I did another one where I was a tutor for the athletes, at, oh. um, the UH athletes. Wow, okay. So how is it... Um, okay, so this is funny because I'm actually going through a workers' comp case. So how, okay. is it, um, how is it working at a workers' comp establishment right now? Well, I was lucky because when I was working at the workers' comp place, I was in the HR side of things. So mm. I didn't handle any workers' comp claims. I just, you know, when new people got hired, I would look, look at their documents and put it into a computer. I had nothing to do with the claims. Oh. So <laughs> I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was always wondering, is it true, like, if, if, a, if a client doesn't, um, like, if, if they stop him from, like, getting, like, income from, like, certain things the do they get like a bonus or something or i don't think they get a bonus but from what i recall it was something along the lines of the the company that's being insured they obviously don't want to pay all that much because that's mm-hmm. how they save their money mm-hmm. but the workers comp place they're really just the intermediary they just want to make sure that both sides are happy and that's how they keep their job if somebody complains too much they'll lose their job on either side mm. and how do you like um how did you like doing HR work? Was it like overwhelming or I know I know like both sides like some people say it's like rewarding and some people say it's really overwhelming so I guess I don't have a good description of it because I was only there for I think 3 months, 3 or 4 months, one semester. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get to see everything, but from what I was doing it was pretty routine. You would do the same thing. Anytime somebody gets hired, you go through the same process. So for me, it wasn't all that bad. It was pretty entertaining. I knew what I had to do and it wasn't always something that's like, you know, throwing a wrench in your plans. Mm -hmm. And then you guys did like trainings through. Did you have to organize any trainings for? No, but I was interning during the holiday season. So I had to put Mm. up Christmas trees and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, no parties, no trainings, nothing like that. I know for me, um, so I'm studying in accounting, so I'm probably going to have to do inter- – well, I was thinking about doing an internship for um, tax season. Ooh, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it would be – it would be in, luckily, Kaneohe. I mean, I have one guy that I'm hoping he will take me, but I'm not really sure. What would you, like, give advice to people about, like, if they're going into internships and stuff like that? What would you say? 
I think for internships, what I found very useful is the University of Hawaii really like pushes those things. So if you look online, there's a whole bunch of resources. Even if you only know one person personally, they have a whole list that you can just say geographic area where you'd like to be. And they can pretty much pair you with people. And for me, it was nice because I looked at companies where I wouldn't have mind working in the future. And that's kind of how I got my uh, foot in the door for my current job. So that was, yeah fun for me. Mm-hmm. And what kind of programs at, at Shiler do they do they offer for like students like um, that are going into internships or trying to get into the workforce like right after college and stuff like that? They actually have a career development office where there's two guys who are well connected with all of the staffing agencies and all of the HR people throughout the islands. And what they do is they actually have on-campus interviews where big companies will come mm-hmm. and They'll tell the students, hey, Deloitte is interviewing for five positions. And people will just send their resumes and go to an interview. And it's all on campus, so it's so convenient. And they also have a lot of extracurricular activities, like school. The uh, individual departments have their own clubs, so like a finance club, an accounting club. Hmm. And through those clubs, you get to meet a lot of people. It's really good for networking. And are you currently in um, like finance club? I'm not this semester just because I was working and for me, I was going to pay like a $55 fee for the club and I would only go to like two events. So I, was, I just kind of thought that was not the best idea for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how, how, are, how are like those clubs, like the finance club and stuff like that? Do you guys do like, um, you know, out, outdoor events too or, you know, different activities besides going to like different, um, you know, establishments and stuff like that? During my sophomore year, I was an officer in the finance club, and they did a lot of things. They had community service events. We did a beach cleanup. Uh, we did hikes. I believe we also did events where we would go to different financial institutions, and they called it company tours. So we would have managers come and talk to us about the organization, and it helped us to see if we wanted to work at a place you know, like that we visited. And we also did things called pre- professional interaction nights, so we would have a lot of professionals from the industry come and meet one-on-one and have dinner with the students. So that was really fun, too. Hmm. Yeah, I remember um, at UH West, they had, um, they had something called an accounting night. Okay. So that was, I guess, this is almost the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I always hear about the one at Scheidler where they have the professionals come in mm-hmm. and then they have dinner. Like, it's very low-key um, networking. But, like, it's good information, you know, and you get business cards and then you just I've email heard them. people actually got hired in, on the spot at that um, wow. event, mm. especially the grad students. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, if they're looking for work, they'll be paired with the HR manager of an organization. And basically that night is a total interview process. So oh, it can be wow. stressful for them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really, it's really crazy, yeah. actually. <laughs> so, like, how often do you guys do, you know, those different networking each club has professional interaction nights each semester Mm. but the really big one that i think you're referring to is the business night where Mm. all of the Mm -hmm. kids at shyler are eligible to go to this thing they just have to pay i think 25 dollars, and it's normally at the sheraton hotel really nice dinner and full-on networking for i think three hours or something like that wow oh 25 dollars so it's like a buffet too no it's all plated dinners it's amazing wow (laughs) That's crazy for twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's only for the Shiler program over the there. The Shiler program. 
So I was thinking of going for my um my master's there in accounting. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the program. It was like only 30 credits. And I was like, wow, this is kind of easy. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just saw the classes that were there. So I was like, huh. Some of my classmates, they decided that they're going to graduate in four and a half years. Mm. And believe it or not, in four and a half years, they're going to have their undergrad and grad degree just mm. because of that MAC program. I was told it's really good, especially if you want to go for a CPA or something like that. Mm-hmm. You basically learn all the basics you need for the um, exam. Mm. I was thinking about that because mm-hmm. it's really, um, yeah, they have like an accelerated program. I think it was something like that was called. But I don't know. It's it's really interesting because um, for me, you know, I was I was doing I was doing school at Windward, but I had like no motivation because it was just I don't know. I just thought it was boring. <laughs> just to be honest shout out to the Windward Community College but um and then I then I started working there right and then you know things kind of like I don't know it was it was different you know working at a college and stuff like that but then now being back in school I see things like on a different perspective um like now networking just feels a lot more natural <laughs> yeah it just feels natural and it feels um because I was, I've been doing so much networking while I was a staff and, you know, just kind of connecting with different, not just students, but just organizations, people I had to work with and stuff. And, like, so, like, it's it's funny when I go to, like, these accounting nights and stuff like that. And then I see new students and they look super nervous when they're, when they're like, talking with these big professionals. And I'm like, well, I, I do this all the time at my job. Like, <laughs> or, um when they're in like you know international business and stuff again they're taking these classes and then i i i have a different perspective because then i look at them and they're like real like shaken up like they they're like what i used to be when i first started taking college so i was just like wow this the change in environment is is really cool see now with all of your knowledge and expertise you can help these people so they don't look so scared and yeah. nervous. <laughs> actually yeah so one thing i've been doing was um i, I started tutoring accounting students um again but then like, i have a new perspective on it because before i was just kind of like like oh do this do that but then now i'm like you do this because because in the real world this is what you're gonna do like now i'm actually helping one of my teachers from windward to do um like an online curriculum so i'm helping him with outlining and stuff like that and yeah i don't know it's just different like different perspective i guess being older now so for what i gather like when i did my internships and i was in the real world for a little while Mm -hmm. it helped me to get a better perspective of you know college is temporary but a lot of the skills you learn is really helpful and can carry you you know through life and into the work work field Mm -hmm. yeah definitely like just yeah, just learning different things like um like my international business class. I learned so my mom works with this one person from Sweden. Oh, okay. And um it's funny because I didn't even know she was from Sweden, but then my mom was telling me all these things like, Oh, she's 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 so like straight faced when she's working and then like but like when we're at lunchtime she's like really open and stuff like that and I told her I did a whole report on Sweden so I can tell you that she's she's like this because you know that's that's part of their culture you know they just work all the whole time and then when there's a break or a coffee break then you're just like oh okay you know very social like let's let's go party or something and then when they're back at work then they're just very straight face everything's focused and stuff like that and 
you know, just learning that, it was like, wow, like these skills, learning in college, is really going to translate in the real world. And um, We learned about culture dimensions too in our management and HR classes. Mm. And I thought it was so funny because when they generalized the United States, I laughed and I said, that's the exact opposite of what we are in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we're like this little isolated place and we've developed such a strong culture of our own that when people from the mainland come here, they're like, is this even part of the United States? Because it can be so different. <laughs> yeah. And then like for Hawaii, like I think it's like, a, um, like it really is the melting, it's like a melting pot of so many different cultures because you get like <laughs> Japanese, right? And then you get... Um, Filipino. There's a lot of Filipino. Luckily, I'm both <laughs> best of both worlds, I guess. <laughs> and then, but then you, you go and you, you see Hawaiians, but you also see like there's a lot of people from the mainland. There's people from Europe. I mean, there's there's just all over. But then you, you go to like the mainland, and then it's just one one culture there. Yep. So it's it's very interesting. But then you have, like, people that don't want to live Hawaii because they want to move to the mainland because it's cheaper in housing and stuff like that. So, like, where we are right now, you know, like, a place like this would be, like, a three-bedroom house in the mainland. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you you plan to um, stay in Hawaii after you're done schooling and stuff? Yeah, I really like it here. And for me, I thought about it. I don't think there's anywhere better in the world for me to fish, so I think I'm staying here. (laughs) (laughs) How about in Japan? Have you ever, like, fished in Japan as well? I've actually never been to Japan, Mm. but the reason is we're supposed to go, and that nuclear plant just went completely (laughs) on us, so I was really, our family was really uh, hesitant to go, and definitely I didn't feel like the seafood would be safe to eat at that point in time, (laughs) so we just kind of pushed it off, but we still haven't gone. (laughs) I was just saying, it's like extra wasabi on top, you know, like the nuclear. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, like the fish is like, oh, wow, you know, wasabi tuna over here. Yeah, it glows in the dark a little bit. Something's (laughs) wrong with my fish. (laughs) Actually, I haven't even been to Japan either. So I have like no idea. Like everybody keeps telling me, oh, wow, Japan is so cool. You know, the sushi is so cheap, but it's better than Hawaii. And it's like, thanks, you know, just rub it in, you know. Um, have you have you fished anywhere else besides Hawaii? Like um, I fished in Florida when I mm. went up for the IGFA awards ceremony. Mm-hmm. I got to fish with, in my opinion, some of the best fishermen in the world because as a family, well, as an individual, they hold the first, second, and third place with the most amount of records. Mm. And as a family, I think they have 1,200 records. Wow. Something crazy <laughs> like that. And mm. they were so open. They were like, oh, uh, welcome to Florida. They were going to let us stay at their house. But <laughs> our hotel was like 10 minutes away from them. <laughs> the next day, he said, oh, can you be up at 6 o'clock? We're going to go fishing. Um, would you like us to pick you up or would you like to meet us at our house? Mm. And I just met them like five minutes earlier. And they were just wow. so open and nice people. Mm. And how is it fishing in Florida? Is it like, um, like what, what's different about it than here? I think the Biggest difference is they're, they're for the sport of fishing. They, mm-hmm. they catch and release most of their fish. Mm-hmm. Um, most of what we caught, we threw back just because that's the culture up there. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Hawaii, if we catch something, we're like, oh, look, we got dinner. <laughs> Very different in the thinking. So there's a lot more fish, and I guess the fish are easier to catch because I guess they kind of know they're going to go back. So we're just in it for the fight of the fish, not so much to eat them so Mm. they're more i guess willing to bite (laughs) Mm -hmm. so what would you say um 
I always think this is an interesting question. So what would you say you would be doing if you weren't doing like uh, fishing or finance or any of that stuff? Like what, like what would you be doing now if you weren't doing any of that stuff? Uh, I think for me, I would be either tutoring or taking care of my younger cousins because mm. for me, I really enjoy being with kids. So mm. whether it's tutoring them, whether it's babysitting, whether it's any of that, I really enjoy it. So that's probably what I would be doing. Mm. So would it be like teaching? Would you go into teaching if that was the, a thing? Or <laughs> I thought about teaching, but the thing that kept me away from it is for me... I don't have enough of a broad knowledge to teach like an elementary school. Mm-hmm. And by the time it comes to high school, I don't feel I have enough specialized knowledge to teach a certain subject either. So mm. kind of went out the window. I said, no, I don't know enough of anything to teach. So mm. You can go junior high. It's right in the <laughs> middle of the road, right? Maybe I know something, but not a lot. And it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to teach um, at church. So my favorite, my favorite um, uh, age group was junior high. Um, for me, like, it was just, I, I really like junior hires because they're so, like, open. So, like, high schoolers, I feel like, are super moody. So, like, uh, <laughs> like you try to excite them, and then they're just like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go home and play COD and Black Ops. <laughs> um, but then, like, junior hires are just like, yeah, I want to do this. And, you know, they're they're so open to new, doing new things. And I don't know, like, so hopefully I'm going into auditing. So I'm going into auditing for maybe like 15, 20 years. And then after that, I hope to teach at a university level uh, for accounting. Just because at that age, like people kind of had like their maybe like what they want to do for a career and stuff like that. And, you know, then I can help people just kind of steer them in the direction that would help them out. So like hopefully that's that's the plan. But anything can change. Yeah, We never (laughs) can predict the future, especially that far out. Mm-hmm. For me, I got to think about what I'm going to eat for breakfast the next morning. So <laughs> 15, 20 years, I don't think that far. <laughs> well, you got cone sushi over there. So well, <laughs> yeah, I got lunch. But, you know, <laughs> breakfast tomorrow. That's another day. Cone <laughs> <laughs> sushi tomorrow. Then. <laughs> so like one thing that I do a lot is I, I do cooking a lot. So like I always tell people that cooking for me is like accounting because um, like Accounting, there's all these different accounts that you worry about, you know, accounts receivable, payable and stuff. This is probably why I like accounting. So everything is put into account, but then you transfer everything to a balance sheet and everything's just on this one thing. So it's kind of like cooking, you know, like there's so many different components and they, they're they separated, you know, like you have to make, um, like for um, pasta, I made pasta recently. So... The noodles, focus on the noodles, that's one account. <laughs> and then there's the there's the um the sauce, you know, that's another account. Bread is another account. And then I put it into this <laughs> I'm gonna lose people over here. <laughs> a plate, a balance sheet. <laughs> a, a balance sheet. But it's um I don't know, for me it would be cooking. For me I scrapped cooking as a career just because um there's not a lot of like I mean I, I guess I could be like a Gordon Ramsay or something like that, like try to be um, like a celebrity chef. But then just being a chef in general, it's it's difficult to really expand out of, I don't, I don't know, anything. You know, like you can, you have to work like so many different hours, like 60 plus hours, and then you have to, I don't know, you're just stressed out every time. And then being able to get a lot of income from it, you, you probably have to like, like this, like do a podcast or something on the side. But then you have so many 
That that would have been mine. I enjoy cooking, but for me, it's basically cooking and cleaning what you catch and turning that into a meal. Mm. So I kind of tie that one into fishing more so than its own thing, just because every time I catch a fish, I got to cook and clean it. So. <laughs> what would you say is your um, favorite fish to cook? To cook? Um, I guess the easiest for me is like a papil. We just fillet it and fry it. Mm-hmm. But my favorite fish to eat is a moi. Oh, okay. I really enjoy eating the moi. Mm-hmm. Mm. How do you prepare it? We either steam it or we uh, cover it in cornstarch and we deep fry it. Like mm. Normally steam. Yeah, deep frying moi is good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've done that before. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but I never tried steam though. Like you a Chinese style, we just steam it with green onions and ginger mm. and you put the um, parsley and the peanut oil over it. Oh, okay. Do you guys ever um, like wrap it in like, um, like little leaves or anything? I've never done it like that. I've cooked it over a bed of tea leaf before and just kind of presentation-wise, mm. but never with a luau leaf. Hmm. I, was, I was just thinking about it now. That's why I was like, oh, you could probably do it, you know, with the luau leaf too. Maybe I'll try that later. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the moi first. Oh, yeah. I gotta get the moi first. Well, I just asked you, like, hey, so <laughs> do you have any extra? <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, cooking, like, beef stroganoff and stuff like that. So, um... I would say my favorite dish, though, was probably, I don't know, I made a sushi cake recently. Ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. It was it was like a tiered sushi cake. So it was like, um, uh, you know, sushi rice in the bottom. And then I had um, like California roll. So I had avocado in the middle. <laughs> it's funny because people don't have, have no idea what I'm talking about right here because I'm doing motions <laughs> with my hands. And nobody can see my hands. Just put a picture. Everyone will get it then. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in the middle would be the California roll with avocado and nori and stuff. And then I had sushi rice. And then on the top, I had um, hamachi. On, on, I had four different fish. I had hamachi. I had toro, salmon, New Zealand king salmon. And then I had um, kajiki. Ah, marley. Okay. Yeah. I was going to do a whole, like, spicy mayo kind of thing put it on top and then have like a unagi sauce on the other side. So like doing like a little drizzle like that. But then like, I don't know, it just didn't work out because um, I didn't know if people wanted it. So I kind of left it on the side. So Maybe I'll make it again and then I'll, I'll keep some extra. <laughs> uh, thank you again for joining me on my podcast. No problem. I had a great time. Glad I could join you. Yeah. And um, you want to let anybody know where they can find you or, you know, what you're doing. Maybe tell them, Anything that, you know, you're doing now? Uh, recently, I've been filming with Kiki Fishing Adventures on OC16. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun for me because I get to share my passion of fishing with kids. So that was a whole bunch of fun. And I think, I know one episode just came out this past Monday. I don't know when they're going to be releasing the second one. But sometime either the ending of December or early January. All right. So, yeah, catch Jamie on OC16 and... Um yeah, she's going to be everywhere. You could probably just look her up on Google and she's probably, she probably, oh, actually you do have YouTube videos too. So uh, I, I do. Or, or someone put it, someone posted oh, okay. YouTube videos. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I remember seeing that before. So I was like, oh, wow, she's on YouTube as well. So it was for, oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again, guys, for joining us and I will catch you in the next one. Bye.